Boom! Shake the room, Fire Nation. JLD here with the Entrepreneurs on Fire's September 2020 Income Report. And September was a doozy, Fire Nation, in a good way. Our gross income was $244,274. Our expenses were a mere 25K for a total net profit of $218,666. That was a $91,407 increase from August to September and giving us a 90% net profit to overall gross revenue, which is absolutely spectacular. Only the second time we've ever done that. So I'm very stoked about this. And today, Fire Nation, we'll be talking about our eight-year anniversary of Entrepreneurs on Fire. We're talking about a great trip that we took to San Diego, as well as some other great business and non-business things. And as always, we have a great tax tip from our CPA and a legal tip from our lawyer. But first, let's take a quick break to thank our sponsors. Chances are your business, Fire Nation, accepts credit cards. And the chances are also that you're paying way too much in processing and transaction fees. Until now, visit ecpaymentprocessing.com. And for a limited time, you can sign up for a 15-minute call to compare credit card transaction and processing fees. That's the letter E, the letter C, paymentprocessing.com. Josh, you have some updates on the Paycheck Protection Program, also known as PPP. So give us an update, brother. Fire Nation is eagerly awaiting. So John, I know it feels like 2020 has been a constant loop of the same topics in these income reports. Uh, We had the stimulus and other government help for those impacted by the COVID-19 situation. Then we had updates on the help. Then we had updates on the updates. And pretty much on and on this went. And guess what? This month's no different because we have a few important updates on the PPP loan. And I know that's something people have been waiting to get some news on. So first, let's talk about the forgiveness part of the PPP loan. For those who received those PPP funds last spring and early summer, you know that one of the big promises and one of the most amazing parts about this loan was that it would be eligible for full forgiveness if the funds were used according to their guidelines. They said you would need to apply for forgiveness, but it would be easy to get if you followed those rules. And the update here is that there's really not any update yet. Uh, The lenders who issued the funds are taking forgiveness applications, so you can get those turned in if you want to. But there is a lot of talks amongst politicians to make loans under a certain threshold automatically forgiven. All right, so meaning that if you were under, say, $150,000 in your loan, it would just automatically be forgiven. You wouldn't have to apply for anything. All right, that has not happened yet. Um, but there is talk of it, and, and both sides of Congress seem to be in agreement that they want to do something like this. Um, right now, there is not an official deadline for applying for forgiveness. So my best advice here for now is to simply hold off on applying for that forgiveness but keep in close touch with your lender so that you know of any updates or deadlines. All right. So talk to your lender, reach out, say, Hey, uh, I'm eligible for forgiveness. When do you, do you have a deadline yet? When do I need to apply by? Because I'd like to wait to see what Congress is going to do with this. Be in touch with them. Make sure you know if there's a deadline, but in my opinion, hold off on, on applying for it until you see what Congress does. Second, We need to talk about the issue of how the loan, if it is forgiven, will work for taxes. Because typically when a loan is forgiven, which simply means that you don't have to pay it back, 
the amount that that amount that is actually forgiven is treated as taxable income, which makes sense since a forgiven loan is essentially someone giving you money, right? So they treat it as income. But one of the most amazing parts about these PPP funds was the promise that it would not be treated as taxable income. And they have kept that promise, kind of. The IRS has updated the rules to show that while the funds will not be taxable, the expenses the funds were used to pay for will not be deductible, which is basically essentially just a backwards way of making the forgivable loan taxable, right? So they're they're basically saying, yeah, fine, we won't make the income taxable, but the expenses aren't deductible, which basically makes it taxable, um, which is kind of shady. Uh, it seems to be going against everything that this was intended for. Um, and it's also going to make the bookkeeping for all of this incredibly confusing, right? So basically, the way it would work is you, list, you, you get these PPP funds for, say, $100,000. You spend all $100,000 on payroll, right? That $100,000 is an income, but that payroll that you used it for, which would typically be an expense, is no longer deductible. So essentially, that $100,000 is tax, taxable in a backwards way, right? Uh, right now, Politicians on both sides of the aisle, as well as accounting groups and small business groups, are all pushing hard to get this changed. This was not the intention of what this loan and this forgiveness would look like. The, the IRS has kind of taken it upon themselves to make this determination. Um, so there is a lot of hope that that's going to get changed. But as of now, you do need to plan to pay taxes on the forgiven portion of that loan. Right? So treat it as if it were income. If you got $100,000 in income, how much would you set aside for taxes? Set that same amount aside for these forgiveness funds. I, I know this is an update without much in the way of concrete updates, but here's the bottom line. If you received PPP funds, you need to stay up to date on this because things are changing all the time. Two things I would recommend as we move forward. First, be in frequent communication with the lender you receive the funds from so you know if and when there is an actual deadline to apply for the forgiveness. Right? If there is, you don't want to have the loan forgiven, not forgiven because you missed a deadline. Right? Don't miss a deadline you didn't know about. Talk to your lender. And the second thing, be in touch with your tax repair so you can understand the rules and whatever changes come to those rules regarding the taxation of the PPP funds. You don't want tax time to get here and you get hit with this major tax bill because you didn't know that your PPP funds were going to be taxable, All right? Be in touch with the lender. Be in touch with your tax preparer. Now more than ever, communication with your financial professionals across the board is vital, All right? Stay on top of these ever-changing rules and the help that is available to you so that we can continue to weather this crazy storm of 2020. As always, if there's any questions on this, you can reach out to me directly, josh at cpmfire.com. And we continue to have tons of resources on our website, which we are updating at the moment. And you'll see more and more stuff there, cpmfire.com. Josh, thank you as always for dropping those value bombs. And let's not waste any time, Fire Nation, because David Lizabram is standing by with six phrases not to say to a lawyer. David, take it away. Okay, so today we're going to talk about six phrases not to say to a lawyer. So hiring a lawyer is one of the most important steps in the launch of a new business. No entrepreneur succeeds without a great team around her or him, and an attorney is a key part of that team. Unfortunately, while there's a lot of great advice out there for aspiring entrepreneurs, it's rare to find good tips about how to hire a lawyer. And even more rare is advice on what not to say when you're interviewing potential attorneys. There is no sense in hiring a bad lawyer, of course, and good lawyers are busy and careful about who they take on as a client. A good business attorney develops a sense for when a potential client is not a good fit and learns how to politely steer them away. 
There are a few common red flag phrases that business attorneys hear over and over. Entrepreneurs need to know how to avoid these phrases, and more importantly, why should they be avoided? I mean, this is the kind of stuff that business attorneys talk to when nobody else is around and, you know, we're just being real about our clients and our businesses and the process of finding clients and some of the, you know, kind of uh, nightmare scenarios and other things. We, we learn how to avoid the, uh, the bad potential clients pretty quickly. And uh, you don't want to be one of them. You want to be a good client. You want to have a good relationship with your attorney. So I want to provide some tips to help you go through the process of finding the right lawyer for your company. Do yourself a favor and don't say any of the following six things when you're talking to a potential lawyer for your entrepreneurial venture. Okay, number one, I just need a simple or standard or template dot, dot, dot. Each of these words, simple, standard, template, mean the same thing to a lawyer. Cheap. Legal services shouldn't be unreasonably expensive, but if the attorney gets the sense that you're just looking for the cheapest solution, he'll probably show you the door. Here's the reality. You may not actually know what your legal needs are. Often clients call me requesting one document, and it turns out they need a lot more than they thought. Sometimes it works the other way, and this solution is simpler than they imagined it would be. My most successful clients realize this is part of the process and say, instead, here's what I'm working on. Can you help me figure out the best way to make sure my legal needs are addressed? That's number one. Number two, this will be easy. Please don't tell your potential lawyer that his or her job is easy. (laughs) You're talking to someone who went to law school, who passed one or more state bar exams, and has hopefully worked with many clients before you came along. And after all, if it's easy, you don't need a lawyer, right? And also, let's be honest, easy is another synonym for cheap. So see number one. Okay, number three, this will be fast. I can't tell you how many times a client told me that the deal was all ready to go and all we had to do was create the contract and the other side would sign. No problem. It'll be fast. Cut to days, weeks, or months later and the negotiations are still going back and forth. The reality is you really never know if a transaction is going to go quickly or not. Most likely, the person on the other side of the table is going to surprise you. If you tell the potential lawyer that the process is going to be a fast one, she'll get a sense that you're inexperienced or you're not in this for the long haul. And again, we all know that fast and cheap go together. So again, C number one. Tip number four, don't say, quote, that's not in my budget. If you get a quote for legal services, please don't say that's not in my budget. Part of the budgeting process is determining how much your needs actually cost. On the other hand, it's very reasonable to say, I don't have the cash on hand to cover all those legal needs at the moment. Can you help prioritize the projects by urgency? A good attorney will definitely help you do that. will understand, hey, you know, you're not made of money, but uh, you want to prioritize things and, and, you know, you can't necessarily tackle everything all at once. Number five, don't say, oh, I'll do that part myself online. (laughs) Online legal services are not a substitute for working with an actual lawyer. Very often, clients try to save a bit of money by using online services or doing it themselves. And in my experience, this is just my experience of speaking for myself, the client usually ends up spending more money having their lawyer correct the mistakes. If the potential client reaches out and says they'll do part of the legal work themselves online, that's a strong suggestion that this person is not committed to doing it right the first time and is just going to cause headaches for both of us. Okay, and finally, number six. Don't tell your attorney or potential attorney, I'll need you to sign an NDA or a non-disclosure agreement. The reality is you don't. In almost all cases, anything you discuss with or disclose to a lawyer is confidential and cannot be disclosed, even if you don't end up hiring that lawyer. For that reason, there's rarely a reason for a lawyer to sign a non-disclosure agreement. 
I don't think I've ever signed a client's NDA in 18 years of practicing law. And from other attorneys I've spoken to, that's pretty much the same. Now, of course, there are always exceptions. And if you have specific concerns having to do with confidential information, don't hesitate to bring those up in your conversations with potential lawyers. Just don't start by asking them to sign an NDA. Okay, those are the six tips to run those down real quickly. Don't say, I just need a simple or standard or template type document. Number two, don't say this will be easy. Number three, don't say it'll be fast. Number four, try to avoid that's not in my budget. Number five, I'll do my I'll do that part myself online. That's kind of a red flag. And number six, I'll need you to sign an NDA. Those are the six tips. And you can go to my website, lizardbramlaw.com slash blog and find a, a blog post on seven keys to choosing the right lawyer for your business. That's even more advice. Um, again, that's lizardbramlaw.com. My name is David Lizardbram. If you type that into Google and you get the name even close, you're going to find me. There's only one David Lizardbram. And finally... If I can leave you with just one last piece of advice, it's this. Nobody ever said, I wish I hadn't hired a good lawyer. If you have questions about your company's legal needs, please feel free to contact me. I would be uh, always happy to talk to somebody from Fire Nation. Thanks a lot. David, thank you once again for rocking the mic and dropping those value bombs. And I love the topic for sure. Maybe chuckle a couple times. And now, Fire Nation, let's continue to move forward with what went down in September. And the biggest thing that went down in September business-wise was Entrepreneurs on Fire celebrated eight years. That is Ocho, if you're from Puerto Rico. So eight years, we've been rocking the Yay. mic. And oh, there she is. I knew Kate was somewhere. So it's been way too cue long. Cue the applause. Cue the applause. Cue the celebration. Cue the fireworks. Kate, what's happening? It's been way too long since we heard your voice on this mic. What's happening? Yes, I know. And we're recording this a little bit late, which we'll get into in uh, what went down in September. Because We've been doing a couple trips here and there. Last month, you heard about our time in Maine visiting John's family. And this month, we headed to San Diego to visit my family. But this eight years, holy cow, can you believe 2012 sounds like a really long time ago? <laughs> it, was a different, it was a different world. It really was. I mean, get, picture yourself right now in your long sleeve button down shirt, your slacks and a tie in the car, driving around Maine, showing commercial real estate properties. That's what I was doing in 2012. For the first half yeah. of 2012, that was what I was doing. And it was 100% what I thought I was going to be spending potentially the next 30 to 40 years of my life doing until this little thing called podcasting uh, prickled my ear just like a little bit of personal background too. I very clearly remember for anyone who doesn't know, John and I met as next door neighbors in a studio apartment complex in San Diego, Pacific Beach to be exact. And you announced that you were moving back to Maine to pursue a career. Like I think you actually might have used those words in some way, shape or form. <laughs> like you were going back there for your career in commercial real estate. Did you really think that like, so you did at that time, you were moving to Maine, you were going to be a commercial real estate broker, which you were for a year. Was it more than a year or a year? A little over a year. Which w was awesome, right? I mean, you were like learning a lot of new things. You, you were very well versed in real estate to begin with, but kind of this whole new venture and, and you were on a partnership track. 
And then you emailed me one day when I was sitting, I was sitting at work at a marketing and advertising agency. And I got this, like, usually John's emails and notes, like consist of two or three words. And this one was like 200 words. And so I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> what is John talking about in this email that is so epically long? And he told me that he wanted to chat that night over dinner because he had an idea to start a podcast. And I was like, oh my goodness, could not wait to hear more. Now you were honestly, you were like, what have I gotten myself into? What has this kooky brained dude that I'm shacking up with right now? What has he got on the plate? No, I mean, my first thought was what's a podcast? Because <laughs> you were way more into podcasting than I was at the time. I don't even know if I was listening. No, because we used to listen to The Moth. Yep, The Moth. When we were driving mm-hmm. to, uh, Sugarloaf. to from Sugarloaf. Yes. Um, so the moth was my first, uh, dive into podcasting and then actually super cool full circle. I won't be able to pull the year out of my hat right now, but maybe like 2016 ish timeframe, we got to see a live performance of the moth in Portland, Maine. Yeah, that was right around that timeframe. Absolutely. Such a cool experience, especially like the history with podcasting and listening to the moth and that being like such a huge part of our lives at that time. So, uh, you know, we're in living in Portland, Maine. Uh, You send me this email, like April 2012. And we talk over dinner that night about your idea to start a podcast. And you I mean, you had all these podcasts that you were already listening to on a very regular basis, Pat Flynn's Smart Passive Income, David Seitman Garland's Rise to the Top. Um, But they were publishing very I won't say sporadically because my understanding is they were very consistent, but it was like weekly or every other week. And so you were in the car every single day driving to and from appointments and this commercial real estate job that you had and you were running out of content. And so you said, why is somebody not creating a daily podcast that interviews the most inspiring and successful entrepreneurs? Because that's what you wanted. And so you just went ahead and created it. I decided to follow Ghani's advice, be the change I wanted to see in the world. I personally wanted a daily podcast that was breaking down a successful entrepreneur's journey. didn't exist. And I said, I'm going to be that person. And that was, you know, way back, like you said, in the April timeframe. And I kind of brainstormed on it in April and May. And then I actually ended up reaching out to Jamie Masters in May to ask her um, as a successful business podcast host that she was to mentor me. And she agreed in June uh, timeframe, I think it was probably June 1st, we started working together and she started mentoring me. And you know, fast forward to September 22nd, uh, 2012, I launched Entrepreneurs on Fire and uh, spent, I think, you know, about the next six or seven months trying to convince you to, to join me on this harebrained idea, which you finally capitulated <laughs> in April of 2013. And it is pretty crazy to, to, to look at the timeline because you know I was pretty much heads down just creating the podcast and, and recording the episodes from like September through April. But then when you joined, we, we made some pretty big moves pretty quick. Like then we launched our first mastermind just a couple months later in July called Fire Nation Elite, which ended up being about 100 listeners of the podcast, which immediately turned us into a a five-figure-a-month business. And then in October, we launched our first online course, Podcasters Paradise, which is what took us to a a six-figure-a-month business, which I'm pretty proud to say now, we just hit our 86th month in a row of six figures in a row. 
per month. And that's net profits. Um, so pretty spectacular. And uh, the, the, the timeline does continue. And you actually, you have a pretty cool uh, graphic that you've been working on with our, our designer, Brandy, over the years. That's over on our About Me page. So just eofire.com slash about, about. And uh, there's some really cool milestones that are there. So it's been pretty awesome, Kate. It's been a pretty awesome eight years. It has been incredible. And Fire Nation, we could not have done it without you. So thank you so much for being a part of Fire Nation. Thank you so much for your engagement, for your love, for your support, for celebrating eight years with us. Definitely head over and check out that infographic. Brandy and I and our entire team have obviously spent a ton of time, uh, eight years to be exact, building that timeline so you can kind of see some of our biggest milestones on that like john said it's on our about page eofire.com forward slash about and also kind of relevant and maybe interesting for listeners who haven't had a chance to check it out yet this is our 85th income report that we're recording right now um, but we actually did a income report that covered our first 365 days so one income report that encompassed all of the investments and the time and the energy and everything that went into building the foundation, which is what helped us create the business that we have today. So if you want to check that out, go to eofire.com forward slash income, and you'll see at the top, there are tabs for each year, 2020, 2019, 2018, 2017, and so on. And then there's one for the first 365 days. So we run through what that first year looked like. And um, that was not six figures of net income every single month. So be sure to check that out. John, anything else you want to say to wrap up our celebration of eight years? Nope, I think we did a great job. I don't want to belabor on the fact, you know, eight years is cool, but uh, we'll probably do something a little bit bigger for for the 10th year, just like we did for the year five. So uh Thank you again, Fire Nation. Like I said, just to echo what Kate said, you know, we couldn't have done it without you. So thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of the community. And we are committed to continuing to provide free, amazing value your way to help you on your journey. And Fire Nation, we're going to be talking about some cool things in a few minutes. San Diego, we'll talk about the specifics of our income breakdown as soon as we get back from thinking our sponsors. Accepting credit cards is a part of doing business, but most business owners set up their payment processing accounts without even thinking twice about how much they're paying in fees. Big mistake. Huge. Why? Because the average business owner can save over $5,000 per year simply by taking 15 minutes to compare credit card transaction and processing fees. And at Electronic Commerce, they'll show you how. Electronic Commerce has proudly processed over $1 billion in credit card transactions per year for big-time brands and companies like Florida Cardiology, Genius Network, and Consumer Law Protection. If you're ready to put more money back into your business, all it takes is 15 minutes to compare credit card transaction and processing fees with someone from the Electronic Commerce team. And as a bonus, Electronic Commerce is offering you a 15-minute call. For a limited time, you can sign up for this 15-minute call by visiting ecpaymentprocessing.com. That's the letter E, the letter C, payment processing.com.
According to a recent Forbes article, working from home could transform the job market and create global competition for every role. This means that if you're an employer, you're competing with even more employers to find the best candidates for your job. So how do you get your company and job to stand out? Start with ZipRecruiter by trying it for free at ziprecruiter.com slash fire. When you post a job on ZipRecruiter, you can tag it with labels like actively hiring or remote in order to help you attract the right talent. Next, ZipRecruiter's powerful technology identifies people with the skills and experience that match your job. If you're really interested in a candidate and want to snag them before they're contacted by other companies, you can even invite them to apply for your job. With one click, ZipRecruiter sends them an email from you, helping you stand out from the competition. It's no wonder that four to five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. Get the edge on the competition. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash fire. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. All right, we are back. And Kate, let's talk about uh, your home city, San Diego, a little trip we took there, revisited the bay, that's specifically Sail Bay and Pacific Beach. Uh, Did you have a good time? I had such an amazing time in San Diego. I always love going back to my home, my original home, getting to see family and friends. I mean, we got to hang out with so many awesome people while we were there. And uh, we we got to rent an Airbnb on Sail Bay, which is where John and I lived right before we moved to Puerto Rico. Um, It's just like a storybook place. I mean, you're walking out of your apartment complex onto the boardwalk on the bay. The boardwalk stretches for miles. So you can just have these epic walks and runs, which John and I were doing every single day. We had a balcony, so we were able to sit out there and just kind of people watch and work out there. John, you had a pretty like (laughs) solidified setup on the balcony. You probably spent more time on the balcony than anywhere else in the apartment. Agreed? Easily. I mean, I had this unbelievably comfortable setup. I even, you know, had this umbrella for when the sun, you know, uh, crested the building and started beating down so I could just stay there during the heat of the afternoon as well. And it was just you know, a beautiful view from there, looking down the bay, enjoying life. It was spectacular. And here in Puerto Rico, we have amazing sunrises, but it was pretty cool to get back to those sunsets for sure. Um, We also did a camping trip in Julian. So we went to a campgrounds up there and we were able to rent a couple cabins with my family, my niece and my nephew. We introduced my niece and nephew to Bottle Bash which is a, such a fun outdoor game that John is now professional at. <laughs> and <laughs> that was really cool. Um, so much great family time. And actually, our adventures in San Diego continued into October. So we'll share a little bit more about that in our next income report. Um, we'll be rounding that out with a camping weekend that we spent in Joshua Tree National Park with Um, my sister and her family and a couple of really great friends of ours. It was my sister's 40th birthday. Happy birthday, Cara, again. Um, Had such an amazing time celebrating. So, um, you know, we definitely put in a couple hours of work here and there. It sounds like we just played the entire time, which is kind of true, but not really. (laughs) We were. But hey, that I mean, that is the lifestyle freedom and the location independence that We've created with our business and you've heard us talk in previous income reports about the importance of knowing the type of business you want to run. And John and I have been very clear on the type of business we want to run. 
um, definitely for the past few years. And that is one that allows us to take trips like this and to unplug, to still work hard and do the things that we love, which are, you know, creating content, creating the podcast, um, serving our communities and, and Fire Nation as a whole, um, but also not that rules uh, our day and the decisions that we make. So if you want to hear more about our travel planning that we do when we head out on these trips so that we are allowed to do this stuff, you know, have days where we we would work, we worked a couple hours every day, I would say. Do you think that's accurate, John? Yeah, I'd say typically between like 45 minutes to 90 minutes. That'd be the average for me. We do that on these longer trips, but it takes a lot of preparation for us to get there. So I actually put together a trip prep series where I talk about every step that we take to uh, to make something like that happen. And I'm going to be talking a little bit about that in our biggest lesson learned, but I have all of the content linked up in this income report, which is eofire.com forward slash income eight five. Boom. And yeah, just to kind of reiterate, I mean, it's spectacular to look at these numbers for September and to see, you know, we had a really huge month, you know, $218,000 in net income on a month that we were essentially traveling and, and vacationing for, for most of. So that is just, you know, eight years of hard work of systems and, and it's possible. And we just want to let you know that, you know, this didn't come day one, month one, year one, but it has come, you know, over time and as we've evolved our business. And um, this is actually a, a great time to move into our income breakdown for September. Our product and service income generated a total of 227K for the month. So that was massive. We did $15,000 for journal sales. We did uh, 205 Freedom Journals, 204 Mastery Journals, so very close to identical, and 118 Podcast Journals. We did uh, $21,748 for Podcasters Paradise. We also did um, over $13,000 for our ClickFunnels affiliate, and we have a lot of other affiliates at different uh, uh, revenue points. You can check out at eofire.com slash income85. Um, our business expenses were, um, like I mentioned at the beginning, just over $25,000, which is razor thin for the, uh, you know, mid $200,000 gross revenue we brought in, which gave us that 90% net revenue to gross revenue margin, which was super awesome. So very proud of that for a total net profit of $218,666. And, you know, people are, are, often asking us like, hey, like, you know, what do you guys actually use to run your business? And again, we list out everything in our expenses, both recurring and subscription-based, you know, as well as like one-time expenses um, over at the income report, eofire.com slash income 85. So uh, as Kate alluded to, she does have a little more details about the trip prep in the travel planning area um, as she shares her biggest lesson learned. Absolutely. So like I said, uh, a lot of my biggest lesson learned for this month had to do with the fact that here we are in beautiful San Diego, hanging out on a balcony, overlooking the bay, and just not uh, no stress about the business. We're not worried about like the house of cards crumbling down. And 
you know, when we talk about that with people, one of the biggest questions that we usually get is how do you keep up with work stuff when you're traveling like that? How do you take this time off? And John and I have a lot of practice when it comes to travel planning because we have really made traveling a big part of our annual agenda since 2014. So, you know, there was a solid, solid year, if not closer to two, when we first started the business where I'm not really sure that we traveled much at all. I mean, we did make the move to San Diego from Maine, um, which was a biggie, of course. But, uh, you know, we were very uh, buckled down, nose to the grindstone for those first couple of years, really making sure that we had that strong foundation that we talked about earlier. But once you discover what's most important to you, then the how is no longer an issue because I believe if you want something bad enough, you will figure out how to get it. And that's what we've done with these trips and the travel that we've done since 2014 when we took our first two-week vacation completely unplugged to 2015. I think 2015 was that conference circuit year, John. Oh, and yeah. I mean, oh, my goodness. I think we were – we must have traveled for, I don't know, probably like eight months of the year. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, we were out and about. Um, and, you know, 2016 is when we started doing our Europe adventures. We moved to Puerto Rico. Um, and since we've been doing as many as 90 days away uh, on the road. But the thing that's great about the system that we have in place for our trip preparation is that no matter we're going for three days for a long weekend somewhere in here, here in Puerto Rico, or we're you know taking a week off to attend a conference or something like that, or we're spending three entire months in another country, we follow the same process. So I want to just quickly break down. It's four parts. This process has four parts. And again, I have all of this linked up. I have detailed posts going into every single one of these steps, but I'll again mention them here quickly. Um, step one is getting your travel in order. So this is just all about getting your travel plan solidified. Everything from researching to um, booking your planes, trains, automobiles, your accommodations, Part two is getting your work in order. So this is starting to list out everything you need to accomplish before you leave. This includes priorities, due dates, goals from now until you depart, listing out the types of activities that you would be doing at home during the time that you're actually away so that you make sure you don't drop the ball on anything. Um, part three is all about putting a plan in place with systems. So you have your itinerary established, you have the list of all the tasks and projects that need to be completed before you leave, including what needs to be done that you would otherwise be doing if you were at home. And now you put a plan in place that's going to help you batch everything. And once you have a system down, accomplishing two to three times what you would in a normal work schedule or day, I promise you, is going to be so much simpler. And then part four is the push. You have your itinerary, your list of tasks and projects, you have systems in place to help you accomplish all of that. And now it's time to do the work. So definitely check out, again, I go into super detail into all of this. This is how John and I prepare, plan for the trips that we do, again, whether it's three days or three months. And all of that is linked up over at eofire.com forward slash income eight five. Fire Nation, until next month, keep your fire burning. 
Chances are your business, Fire Nation, accepts credit cards. And the chances are also that you're paying way too much in processing and transaction fees. Until now, visit ecpaymentprocessing.com. And for a limited time, you can sign up for a 15-minute call to compare credit card transaction and processing fees. That's the letter E, the letter C, paymentprocessing.com.